Thanks for checking out this message from Spring Mount. For more information about us and what we do, visit our website, springmountcf.co.uk or join us every Sunday from 11am at Abbey Road in Barrow in Furness. Connect with us on social media. Follow us on Twitter at springmountcf and like us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash springmountcf. Live dangerously this morning. Uh, <laughs> all, the ki- all the equipment is at the pavilion. So, uh, not all of it, but the stuff we actually need. But anyway, never mind. Um, <laughs> I'm nearly there. Talk amongst yourselves for a moment. That's fine. Right, Brill, it's great to see you this morning. Great to see so many people um, when other people perhaps are going away. But uh, this morning, we finish off our series on Behind the Songs. And because it's been Christmas, we've looked at a couple of carols over the last couple of weeks. Last week, we looked at Hark the Herald Angels Sing. And this week we're going to look at Joy to the World and we are going to be singing it after, uh, towards the end of the service. Um, but I want to talk this morning, first of all, about returns. There's been many famous returns, okay? Uh, this week Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has returned to, to bail out his old club, sadly. Um, but one result, eh? <laughs> Never mind. Um, we've got the Harding and Boys returned for Christmas, you know? Okay. <laughs> Maybe not that famous to all of you, but, you know, much loved by us. They don't look much different to what they did many years ago, so that's fine. We've got Joe Docker and Joel. People have returned for the holidays. This week, um, also, sorry, Hannah and uh, Tasha are over there as well. Don't want to miss you out. You've returned for, for Christmas. Anyone else? Oh, Amy Steele, yeah, crept in there at the back. Lots of people who some of you don't know, they've come back because it's Christmas. Um, this is going to really be my head in. This, this week sees a, a release of a film, doesn't it? Mary Poppins Returns. Anyone seen it yet? No. Anyone want to see it? Oh, look at all those hands up. Uh, there has been some complaints in the media but that it doesn't feature some of the old songs. It's, a re- it's not a remake. It's a new thing. It's a Returns. It's not the same film regurgitated. It's a new thing. Mary Poppins has come back in the story. Not in reality, because it's fictional. Um, you know, usually Christmas sees the return of characters in soap operas. I don't watch soap operas, but I remember a few years ago, Dirty Den came back to EastEnders having been killed. So quite how that worked in a soap opera, I don't know. Sherlock, similarly, a few years ago, came back yeah, after, after jumping off at a building. And uh, last Sunday, this time, this, the last Sunday before Christmas, I want us to think this morning and focus on a return that is far more important. A return that is far more important than Mary Poppins and definitely Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. And sadly, boys, more important than you, okay? But it's a return that is important. We're going to look at a carol that says this, Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room and heaven and nature sing. I love this carol. I don't like many carols, but I love this carol. But it really shouldn't be a Christmas carol. Okay, I'm sorry to break the news to you. You don't hear any shepherds in this one. There's no wise men. There's no kings. There's no Virgin Mary. There's no manger. Just joy. Just joy. And a king returning. This isn't about the first coming. It was never intended for Christmas. It's actually based on a psalm. Psalm 98. So I'm going to read the psalm that it was based on. Psalm 98. It's not based on the the Christmas story at all. 
And yet we sing it every Christmas, so we need to look at why. Psalm 98, if you haven't got a Bible, the words should be on the, the screen be, behind me. Psalm 98, it's only nine verses long. If you struggle to read your Bible, choose a short psalm and read it that easy. Psalm 98, 1 to 9 says this. Sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made his salvation known and revealed his righteousness to the nations. He has remembered his love and his faithfulness to Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Burst into jubilant song with music. Make music to the Lord with the harp, with the harp and the sounds of singing, with trumpets and the blast of the ram's horn. Shout for joy before the Lord and the King. Let the sea resound and the rivers, and, sorry, let the sea resound and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the mountains sing together for joy. Let them sing before the Lord. For he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples with equity. That's what it's based on. We've sung, or we will sing, heaven and nature sing. Yeah? Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let heaven and nature sing. What does that mean? It means what it says in this verse. You've got rivers clapping. You know, hark back a few weeks. Just linking it to last week. Hark back a few weeks and we talked about if we're not prepared to give God praise, if we're not prepared to shout thanks to Jesus, then actually the rocks will cry out. So if you're not willing to do it, inanimate objects will. And this psalm says, you know, the rivers clap their hands, the mountains will sing for joy. Sounds a bit weird, doesn't it? But this is what happens because not only are we here to glorify God, everything in our world is. The creation itself sings for joy to a saviour who wants to come back and redeem, to make things right again, to make things better. Do we want things to be better? Yeah. Well, that's what this psalm's saying, that will come a day when things will be better. You know, what a privilege it is to sing praise. What a privilege it is to have an audience with the king. Yeah. If the queen came to Barrow, you'd get the smell of fresh paint everywhere. Yeah. You tidy your house and everything. Every Sunday and every day, we have the privilege, if we're Christians, of coming in before the King, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Before the Lord, you know, Yahweh, God, Jesus. This song, this carol, ties everything together that we've been talking about. We started off by thinking about Yahweh and what that meant. Yahweh was the name for God, it meant Lord. And here we see the Lord is come. Jesus is God, the Son of God and God. We can't get our heads around that because we're not God. But he is. The Lord is come. It's not about the baby. It's about the return. It's not about the first advent of Jesus. This carol is about the second advent of Jesus. The second time when he comes in a very different form, in a very different way. It was actually written by Isaac Watts. Have you heard of Isaac Watts? Yeah? Know any songs by Isaac Watts, anyone? Not Amazing Grace? When I Survey is a very famous one. When I Survey the Wondrous Cross, that was a famous Isaac Watts song. But actually this carol or this song came about by accident. As a young boy, he used to love making rhymes. Absolutely loved making rhymes and poems. And one night as his father prayed before supper, his dad had asked him 
why he'd opened his eyes during the prayer. This is a warning to some of you guys, okay? Isaac Watts' dad, quite a fierce man. Why did you open your eyes while we were praying for the food? And his reply was this. A little mouse, for want of stairs, ran up a rope to say its prayers. Because he loved making rhymes. And his dad said, why did you have your eyes open? And he was like, well, I was daydreaming. I was trying to think of another one. And his dad didn't go, oh, that's okay, son. His dad, being a 1700th sort of century father, said, that's not good enough. I'm going to teach you a lesson. And he started giving him a good hiding. But Isaac Watts didn't learn his lesson because in the middle of the good hiding, he said, oh, father, father, pity take, and I will no more verses make. <laughs> you know, he was a clever guy, wasn't he? And his dad probably felt bad thinking, okay, yeah, he's, he got He's obviously got a gift. He's obviously very talented. And he wrote, as he got older, he wrote a book of poems based on the Old Testament. And what the Old Testament had to say about Jesus and Jesus' first coming and his second coming. In fact, Isaac Watts would complain about church. Anyone here complain about church? Put your hand up. We'll see you afterwards, okay? <laughs> we'll come around and visit you. Um, he'd complain about the songs that were sung in church. You know, I do find it quite funny because Jake over here, who's led brilliant this morning, doesn't like Rend Collective. He, he cannot stand Rend Collective. Yet whenever he leads worship, he always puts a Rend Collective song in. <laughs> but I don't understand that one. Don't understand that at all. But anyway, and he likes to sing Heart the Herald at about 500 miles an hour. So save your breath for later. But he'd complain. Isaac Watts would complain about the songs that were sung in church. So what did his dad say? His dad said, well... Write better ones yourself then. That's what he said. Write better ones yourself. Here is an example of one of the songs Isaac Watts would have sung in church. Here is a phrase from it. Ye monsters of the bubbling deep, your master's praises spout. Up from the sand, ye docklings peep and wave your tails about. I can quite understand why Isaac Watts complained about the songs they sang in church. You know, I can remember a Scottish one when I was young that was in Sacred Songs and Solos, which says, I'm far frae me hame and I'm weary after wiles. And another one that said, let some droppings fall on me, um, which always made me laugh. So I can understand why Isaac Watts wanted to make a difference. So he decided he was going to write a new hymn every week. He was like the Ed Sheeran of his day. He wanted to, but obviously with a spiritual element to it. And he wanted to write a new song every week. So that was his challenge. He wrote a new hymn every week in order to refresh what was being sung. You know, but the first point I want to make this morning, the actual point I want us to remember, is that is a refreshing attitude. Don't moan, move. Okay? I don't mean move church. I mean, don't moan about something. Move yourself to do something about it. Yeah? He didn't like the songs that were being sung. He didn't then carry on every Sunday going, oh, I don't like the songs that are being sung. Oh, he did something about it. He stepped up and he said, right, I'm going to try and do better. He set himself that mark to do something about the situation he was in. And that is the privilege we all have today. We have the ability to do something about our situation. Maybe not always completely, but we can choose to moan or we can choose to say, I'm going to get on with it. I'm going to get on with it, and I'm going to fix my eyes on Jesus. You know, if you think you can do better than our welcome team, volunteer. If you, you think you can serve coffee and tea quicker, volunteer. If you think you can you know, organize the car park better, volunteer. If you think you can sing better, see me. Okay. 
we don't want loose cannons all over the place, do we? But, you know, don't be a loose cannon, but part of a team. A team that is pulling together in the same direction towards the same goals. Because you can make that team better if you try. You know, in, in Christmas, we sing the song, don't we? Gloria in the highest. Glory in excelsis, don't we, sometimes? Excelsis is from the same word we get excellence from. We should strive to do things with excellence. We should strive to do them to the very best that we can. And, you know, no team works well if they're pulling in different directions. So don't moan about it. Move yourself to do something. Instead of moaning, make a move to do it. You know, the words of this song, Joy to the World, were written by Isaac Watts. The music was written by Handel. You've all heard of Handel? Yeah? No? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You've heard that, yeah? He wrote that. There you go. Okay. So he wrote The Messiah. And somebody once complimented Handel. Somebody once said to him, Sir, your music is such incredible entertainment. And he replied saying his music wasn't to entertain, but to make people inspired to be better. That was his goal. When he wrote this music he wrote with Christian, with Christ fixed in his thoughts, his aim was to inspire people to do better. And to be better. It wasn't about making himself look good. It wasn't about glorifying his name and saying, oh, people are going to sing my songs all over the world. It was about glorifying God and saying, I don't want it to be about me. He wanted to inspire people to be more like Jesus. And actually, there was a third collaborator in this carol that isn't a carol. Okay? Handel wrote the music. Isaac Watts wrote the words. And he wrote it in a book of poetry. He didn't put it to music. And then another guy came along and stuck the words to the music. And the carol that we sing today was born. So what is it all about? What is it all about? And why is it so important to link it to Psalm 98? What does it mean to you and me in 2018? What does it mean? Well, it starts with, joy to the world, the Lord is come. Not has come. Sorry. The Lord is come, not has come. This isn't singing about a past event. This is singing about something that is coming. The Lord is come. It's saying an event of great joy. You know, Watts, Isaac Watts, was also heard to complain about people's faces during worship. He actually said people are singing with faces that don't show the fire in their bellies and the passion in their hearts. And I think actually... A lot of us can be challenged by that because sometimes we just go through the motions. Sometimes we just sing the songs. But actually, the reason for this series is to look at why we sing them and to give God the glory. Because when we praise with our words, it should sink into our hearts and affect us on the outside. shouldn't just be about us having a good sing song. It should be about us lifting him and being lifted in him. And that's why we do it. He wasn't all that well received, Isaac Watts. He sounds like a bit of a grumpy man, doesn't he? Sounds like somebody who did nothing but moan. But he wasn't all that well received. Yet the song and the psalm both include a shout for joy. A shout for joy. If I, if I asked you to shout hurrah after three, you'll feel a bit stupid. But I'm going to do it anyway because I've got the power. One, two, three. Hurrah! Very good. Okay. If I asked you to laugh on command after three, ready? One, two, three. Okay, <laughs> okay, okay, calm down. You know, that is a bit forced. 
But I have to say, with you doing that, it's made me feel happier. You know, even if you're just saying the words, it's made me feel a bit more joyful. Because actually you are quite entertaining. <laughs> anyway, and actually it was a bit daft. But Isaac Watts and the Psalm 98 says, shout for joy. It's heartfelt. Why? Why would we shout for joy? Because the angel said last week, as we said, I bring you good tidings of great joy. Not just joy, great joy. Why? Because a Savior has been born, who is Christ the King. That is why. It's good news of great joy. I've repeated myself from last week because it's important to get a handle on this. It is good news. You are good news. Some of you. <laughs> you should be. If you've got Christ in you, if you are a Christian this morning, you should be good news to your neighbor. You should be good news to your family. You should be good news to your workplace. And you should be great news to your church. Because we have this shout of joy in us. Joy to the world, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ. While fields and floods, rocks, hills and plains, repeat the sounding joy. You can hear the psalm there, can't you? Fields, hills, rocks, plains, repeat the sounding joy. They are repeating what you've shouted. They are repeating what you've shouted or that you have acted. I often wonder about this line. Does anyone else? Let men their songs employ. Anyone any ideas? What's that all about? Let men, we sing these things and we don't think about it, do we? Let men their songs employ. Well, I think it means put your words to work. When you employ something, you put it to work. Let men their songs employ. Put your words to work. Put your words into action. Don't come here on a Sunday morning and sing this stuff and then go out there and do the opposite. Don't say, I don't like Ren Collective and then sing them in your worship set. <laughs> Let men their songs employ. Put your words to work. You know, verse 2 in the psalm says, The Lord has made his salvation known. The Lord has made his salvation known. How has he made it known? Well, my mum used to say, you could hear my car coming up the street before you saw it. Why? Not because it had a really bad exhaust, but because I liked music. I used to play my music ridiculously loud. Probably still do, Ros would say. Ridiculously loud. And as I drove up a road, you would hear my music pumping out of the stereo. You know, good music, obviously, you know, and encouraging other people to take part in it. And you would hear me before you saw me. I went to camp as a young lad, and Peter Doc will remember this. And uh, I used to have a ghetto blaster. Do you remember that? I used to take it everywhere. A big boombox playing the tunes. I thought I was the bee's knees. But I thought, actually, I probably just irritated a lot of people, didn't I, Peter? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Peter was definitely irritated by me. But I used to think, you know, oh, everyone wants to listen to my music. Have you noticed Have you noticed how when you hear people playing loud music, it's usually rubbish? Have you noticed? You'd rather, they, you know, sat next to a car. You're thinking, turn it down, it's not very good. But <laughs> I wanted people to hear the tunes that I thought were great, whether I was in my car, whether I was out walking at camp, I wanted people to hear my music because I thought my music was really good. Let men, their songs, employ. You know, let us put our worship to work. We want people to see him before they see us. 
They want people to see him come in in us before they see us walking down the street. We want them to be aware of Jesus in our life before they're aware of me in my life. Because then they might have a chance of repeating the sound in joy. Because when they hear the joy that's in our life, the joy that comes from knowing Jesus. You know, I've told the story before about a baptism I went to in an old gospel hall. And the man speaking stood at the front at my friend's baptism and said this. Have you joy that I've got? That's what he said. I'll say it again because my microphone cuts out. Have you got the joy that I've got? (laughs) No, thank you very much, I think is the answer to that question. That was how it was put across because he wanted other people to connect with Jesus. Well, it wasn't going to happen because he sounded miserable. He looked miserable and he sounded serious. You know, God is a fun God. God is not a killjoy. God created fun. He's the king of fun. He's the God of fun. And yet, actually, so often we think that God's here to spoil our fun. Everywhere I read in the and in this carol, it says, shout for joy. Let us put our worship to work. Let us put the words we sing into action. Let men their songs employ. That's what we're singing. Put your words into action. Don't just sing them on a Sunday. In Christ alone, my hope is found. If it is, live like that. Or don't sing it. (laughs) You know? We've already sung this morning in that song. Can you just put the last verse of Cornerstone on for me, Chris? Because my memory for words isn't always good. (laughs) It says, when he shall come with trumpet sound, oh, may I then in him be found, dressed in his righteousness alone. Faultless, I'll stand before the throne. If you're a Christian, if you believe you will stand before him with no fault, sing it. But also try and live that way. We're not perfect and we never will be, not until we get before him in that moment. But we wear his righteousness. We wear his glories. We wear his robes. Our own, even our good stuff's like filthy rags, it says. Let's put the words we sing into action. Repeat the sounding joy because when we do it, others can repeat it. When we act that way, others can copy it. That song says repeat the sounding joy. If the joy isn't sounding in our life, nobody's going to repeat it. I'm not going to stand there and say, have you got the joy that I've got? Because I want to to show his joy and his life and his love and his power and his glory. Not just how I feel right now. Because I want others to be able to repeat his joy. Repeat his joy. It then goes on, doesn't it? Everything around us is impacted by Jesus being shown and praised. Everything. Even the rivers and the trees and the mountains. Everything. He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the light of his righteousness and wonders of his love. Prove the wonders of his love. How do we do that? How do we prove the wonders of his love? How? By being light and love. That's how we prove it, by being light and love. You know, Joel, just stand up a minute, mate. Okay, he loves it when he comes home because I can use him again. This is my son in whom I am well pleased sometimes. (laughs) 
This is my son. Now, you might look at him and think, he doesn't look like you, Johnny. He's got a big bushy beard and he's got lovely, lovely hair. But Joel proves he is my son because actually, believe it or not, he is the image of me. He is the image of me. If you don't believe me, uh, I could never see it when he was little. When he was little with white blonde hair and he was very small with his little pin head. <laughs> so, it's all right, I can pick on him, he's okay. He, he didn't look like me, he was very much a dod. But then one Father's Day, I got this photograph, Chris. Okay? Now, believe it or not, that is me on this side, okay? <laughs> if, you didn't, if you haven't known me long, that's me. Holding Joel as a baby. On this side, you'll notice, my son, do you think he looks the same? He is the image of me. I could never see it, but that picture helps. You can sit down. Keep the picture up. You can sit down. If you're happy, that's fine. I could never see it. I could never see it myself. And now I've pressed something that's lost all my notes. Oh, it's okay. They've come back. I could never see it. Never see it. But his humor, sadly, is the same as mine. If he is going to do something daft in a situation, I'll come in three minutes later and do the same thing. If somebody makes a comment, both of us think of the same punchline. One of us will usually say it, and the other one will go, I was going to say that. Because my son... <laughs> Derek, at the moment... No, all right. My son is the image of me. He is the image of me to look at, and he's the image of me to listen to. And if he answers the phone, he even sounds a bit like me. Because he proves he is mine. When we sing this song, we as Christians are called to prove his love. To prove that we are his image. To prove that we are his children. And how do we do that? By thinking and saying the same things that he would. That people see him in us and us in him. We need to prove the wonders of his love. The wonders of his love. And we can't do that in our own strength and in our own power. We can't. It's got to be in his. Psalm 98 verse 9 finishes with this. Let them sing before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples with equity or fairness. God is fair. And this Christmas, the first advent, he came as a baby. He came humbly and was born in a manger. But the Bible points to a time where he will return. He died because he loves you. He died because he took your place. He took your punishment. And he rose again, beating death, beating sin, so that we could have a hope and a future. And we look forward to a time when he comes again for those who love him. And he's a fair God. If we've spent our life saying, God, I'm not interested, then it's fair, is it not? If he says, okay, I won't bother you anymore. But God is love. Imagine a world without God. There's no love. There's no love. But God is fair. He rules the world with truth and grace. You know, this song isn't about the past. It is about a future. And this Christmas, the best Christmas present, as Jake's already said, is to accept 
that that baby born was born for you. Born so that you might live because he died in your place. Born so that you might have hope. It is about Jesus' return. His first coming was in humility and in a way we could understand and relate to. Because we understand that, don't we? He came and experienced life like we do. But the Bible says he will come again. And Revelation 21, the last chapter of the Bible, the last book says this, verses 3 to 5. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look... God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. This is what this carol sings about. A future where there's no more tears, no more death, no more hurt, no more pain, no more upset, no more fear. Who wants that? Yeah. And Jesus is offering that this morning. This Christmas, he offers it by coming the first time as a baby and dying as an adult so that he could return as king. So that every heart will prepare him room. Whether you choose to or not, he's coming and you will bow the knee. Because he is king. He is king of kings and lord of lords. It's the undoing of the curse at the beginning of the Bible. This carol goes through the whole of scripture from Genesis to Revelation and says, we need to be ready. We need to put our words into action. There's a verse we don't sing. And it's clear it points to Genesis. It says this, no more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. The curse will be wiped away. There'll be no more toil, no more difficulty, no more trouble. And this Christmas, we can celebrate with joy that there is hope that our God saves. There is hope in his name. Or do we worship a God who is incapable of saving? Do we worship a God who is distant? Do we put our trust in something that isn't him? Do we put our trust in our own efforts? Do we put our trust in some other God? Do we pray to a God who's distant and not loving or do we put other things in his place? He rules the world with truth and grace. So what are we waiting for? Our God saves. There is hope. Mourning turns to songs of praise. There'll be a time when he'll turn our sadness into joy. And yet for now we can shout for joy because of that. We can rejoice because of that future hope. So what are we waiting for? Let our words be our acts. Let him reign in our hearts as we celebrate his light and his love. Joy to the world. Have you got the joy that I've got? If you haven't, can I just say, Jesus didn't promise it was easy but he promises to bring great joy. Not necessarily straight away, but certainly for eternity. And eternity is a long time. Joy to the world. The Lord is come. Let's pray. Father God, I pray that you will use your truth this morning. And I pray for each one of us in this place. Maybe we've never thought 
about the joy that you bring. Even in the darkest of places, you can shine a light. Father God, even in the places that are noisy and chaotic, you can bring your peace. Father, this Christmas, may we fix our eyes on the God who saves. The one who brings hope and the one who turns mourning and sadness into praise and joy. Father God, I pray that each one of us will choose to accept the first advent of Jesus so that we can enjoy the second one. Father, I thank you for your word and your truth that we can trust. And I pray in your name that we will live out the words we sing, that we will live out, that we will employ our songs, our words, and put them into action. And that others around will repeat the sounding joy because they see it in us. They see you shining. I pray all these things now in your name. Amen.